Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. everyone and welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio, the show all about the world of Joshi Wrestling. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the show and I'm very happy for the very first time to welcome in my co-host Kelly. Kelly, how's it going? Hello everyone. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How about you? I'm good. Kelly, tell the tell the people a little bit about yourself. I gave you a little bit of an intro on the last episode, but this is your first chance uh, to talk to the people. Love the people. Uh, so I am pretty much a lifelong wrestling fan. Like, my parents bought a pay-per-view the night they brought me home from the hospital. So I, it's just always been there. And now, like, I've been getting into Joshi over the past couple of years, and the pandemic is really what got me deep into it, because it's like, it was like Joshi and Deathmatch shows, and that's all that was running during the shutdown. (laughs) So that's what really got me into it. Yeah, that sounds about right. There were a lot of of Joshi shows running. I remember that was sort of the one... Uh, as everything was shutting down, that was the one thing that sort of kept going, which was uh, which was very nice. Of course, we would love to have shows with full crowds and everything, but uh, you know that was a sort of happy uh, side effect of everything that went on. Yeah, yeah. Like I loved the uh, the dojo shows that Ice Urban was doing and putting on YouTube. Like that was awesome. Yeah, and there was so much, and of course, then Chaco Pro started, which is still going, and there was, uh, you know, Stardom had shows on YouTube, so it was really a great um, thing, and I'm hoping that some of these companies will sort of keep up that energy even once we start to, or once Japan sort of starts to get out of this whole mess. Yeah. So, uh, Kelly, again, welcome to the show. Um, and if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at JBob Audio. You can follow me at Tay Mambo, and you can follow Kelly at Comic Geek Kelly on Twitter. Um, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, give us a rating or a review. And if you want to donate to the show, you can do so at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping bomb audio. So, Kelly, I know when you were first announced for the show, there was a lot of people uh, very interested to get your opinions and thoughts on a lot of the world of Joshi wrestling. And they will get a pretty good uh, chance here as we are going to cover all four of the first opening nights of the Tokyo Princess Cup in Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling uh, from the 22nd to the 25th. So if you're interested to hear in Kelly's thoughts about Tokyo Joshi, this is the podcast for you as we will be covering all of the first and second round matches here. So we will just dive right in. 
the first night held at Shinkiba First Ring. All four shows were at Shinkiba First Ring on July 22nd. And Kelly, what do you think about this first show overall? Uh, I liked it. Uh, overall, I will say I think it was the weakest of the four shows. But even when like a Tokyo Joshi show isn't like great in ring i don't know it's still better than a lot of other stuff just because i love the energy that company has they're just really fun shows you can tell everyone's trying really hard and that counts for a lot yeah i i agree with you um i don't think it was the best show i don't know if i as we go through i'll probably you know recall some of this and probably think but i don't know if it was the weakest show but it wasn't the top show for me but i think you know these shows are so easy you talk about four shows in back-to-back-to-back nights, and you might think, oh my gosh, that's so much wrestling to watch. But I feel, to me, that these shows really fly by. They're very easy watches. I mean, the longest match on this show was only 13 minutes. So these matches are not going super long. It's not a huge investment. So overall, I agree with you. I had a really great uh, time with this. Um We'll just sort of briefly, um, you know, sort of skip over the non-tournament stuff just because we have four shows to cover. Uh, The non-tournament matches, there was a four-on-three handicap match where Hyper Masao, Rika, Tatsumi, and Shoko Nakajima defeated the Bakuretsu sisters, Haruna Neko, and Suzume, and Hikari Noah, Miyu Watanabe, Mizuki, and Yuki Arai defeated Kaya Toribami, Maki Ito, Marika Kobashi and Yuki Kamafuku. Uh, to me, the things that stood out, you know, not uh, world changing matches, but really a good show of how strong this roster has become in terms of just in being able to put on these sort of undercard matches, non tournament matches that still have a lot of very strong uh, workers in them. Two uh, fun matches for me that I uh, really enjoyed. Yeah, I didn't have the chance to watch them. I didn't watch any of the undercards just because this was like the one weekend of the year where all of my friends wanted to do stuff, which, come on, guys, schedule it out a little better. But like, it was just one of those where I'm like, "Ah, I want to make sure I watch everything, but I don't have time for these. But like, yeah, now that you mention it, looking at these under this undercard match, like those are stacked matches. Yeah, and I think that they, I think it's really been helped by the fact that they've debuted these three newer rookies now. Endo was in a tournament match, but, you know, Yuki Arai and Kaya Toribami in that, in that second match there. And I don't really think, you know, I didn't look at it saying, oh, okay, it's an eight person tag, but two of these people are rookies. I think that they've come in very quickly and really fit in well to the promotion, but also performed very well, which has really given, you know, the whole promotion a boost that now all of a sudden they have three people who you don't necessarily have to put them in the first match because you don't know if they'll be able to, you know, perform with some of these more experienced wrestlers. So that has really been, you know, I think you could argue who's the best of the three, but I think they've all been very strong and really a uh, a boon to this promotion. It's really wild that you could very well make an argument that the top three rookies in all of wrestling of this year, all three came from Tokyo Joshi. 
Yeah, and it's it's totally, you know, I remember some of the earlier rookie debuts and sometimes, it, you know, a rookie would debut and you'd think, okay, it's going to take probably six months for them to, you know, sort of develop into anything more than, you know, okay, they're in the opening match or maybe they're in the second or third match. But these are, you know, as we've seen from this tournament, all three of them were in the tournament and did, you know, did well, didn't win their matches, uh, didn't sort of do well in storyline, but I think all three performed very well and held up their end of the bargain in, in these matches. Yeah. Do we know if there's been like a change in who's coaching Tokyo Joshi, like to see this kind of huge increase in quality in their rookies? I don't know if there, I don't know if there has been, um, and, or it could be just, you know, I think for many years, this was sort of a, you know, Tokyo Joshi was a very character sort of promotion and really with, you know, now starting, obviously Miyu has been there a long time, but now Mizuki and all of these sort of wrestlers really rising up, I think may help for, you know, women who are looking and saying, where do I want to go? And they're looking at this promotion and saying, well, you know, I really want to wrestle. And now I have more options than maybe just thinking, okay, if I really want to be a great wrestler, I'm going to go to stardom. Yeah. or something like that, that this is another, you know, another option. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So the first, the opening match of the Tokyo Princess Cup 2021 saw Mahiro Kiryu defeat Arisa Endo in nine minutes. Kelly, what did you think of this opening match of the tournament? I gotta be honest, I was actually kind of disappointed by this one. I, I normally really like both Kiryu and Endo for sure, and I don't know, it seemed like they just didn't click to me. Like, the work in the match looked really soft. There was a lot of stuff where it seemed like they just weren't connecting. Like, I don't know, it just didn't work for me. Yeah, I I really agree, and you know, the, the last full episode we had, I had talked about how Kiryu was sort of in this strange position as some people are sort of moving up the card. You know, you think of Yuki Kamafuku, you think of Hikari Noah, sort of all these uh, wrestlers, you know, being put into these new positions, being given more to do, and that Kiryu really was still in the sort of opening. I think of her sort of in that group of wrestlers in the opening. And I was wondering, because I have liked her a lot in the past, as to, you know, the reason why maybe she wasn't getting an opportunity. But this match, I, like you, was was a bit let down by it. And to me, it was a little bit of maybe me thinking, oh, okay, here's maybe a reason why... Um, you know, Tokyo Joshi has not gone with her yet. Maybe they've seen this and, you know, whatever they're doing that maybe she's not quite ready, you know, with a very, a fairly inexperienced wrestler in Endo, but sort of, I would agree with you a little bit of a, of a letdown for me as well. Uh, in the second match, Raku defeated Moko Miyamoto. Kelly, what'd you think of this one? I thought this one was decent. Uh, I always think about this when I see the Up Up Girls back when, because I'm, you'll all learn this. I'm terrible with names for a while. Once I learn the name, I'm good. But until I learn it, I don't know. So I would just think of those three girls as the cool one, the pink baseball one, and the sleepy one. Raku, clearly, the sleepy one. Um, But yeah, this match, I liked it well enough. Nothing like 
blow away. Um, I went like two and a quarter on it. I think it was fine. I think Mocha has potential, but she's still in that phase where it's like, ah, is she going to go up to that next level or is it just, is this where we are forever? Yeah, a bit hard to sort of get a lot of thoughts about a match that's only six minutes and one second long. Um, I think Raku has gotten really good. Her match with uh, Hikari, that title match with Hikari Noah, I thought was really good. I think that she's in a really interesting position where, and it's a position I think a number of Tokyo Joshi wrestlers are going to be in, which is that Raku is definitely sort of a character. I think of Raku as sort of character first over sort of in-ring prowess, but I see Raku getting better sort of at the in-ring stuff. But the question for me becomes, is this a thing where if she, you know, continues to improve wrestling wise and she moves up the card, are you going to start to lose some of that sort of character that she has, or will she be able to, sort of meld that character with a sort of higher rate of in-ring work. So that's my, that's sort of my biggest question um, when it comes to Raku. But I thought she looked good. Uh, I agree with you on Mocha. It's still a bit strange. I think the gear still throws me off in that she doesn't, to me, look like a wrestler and not in the way where you think, oh, this person, you know, what shape they're in or something. But just the gear to me screams like, just a person off the street. Yeah, no, it's really weird gear. And like, uh, she has the same thing with, that I think with Raku, where I will look at their gear. I'm like, good lord, that has to be hot. Like, I can't imagine having to wrestle in that. <laughs> yeah, that is true. And uh, you know, that sort of skirt is very long. And I think, oh, that would might be restrictive. But yeah, you know, for these. I don't know. Maybe it's for these younger wrestlers that maybe in six months she comes out and she says, oh, now I have new gear and here's my new and improved gear. And that sort of uh, helps her take off. But yeah, sort of. uh, I don't know that I think that's my holdback, not that she has any, you know, big drawbacks in ring, but just I look at her and I say, oh, this is not to me someone I'm like, yeah, this is a this is a wrestler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like she like went to school or something and now she's here to do wrestling after school after school. Yes, but speaking of looking like a wrestler, the third match of the first night, Mirai Mayumi defeating Palm Harajuku. Um, I really enjoy this. I've talked about Mirai Mayumi on the show uh, a number of times. I think she's great. I think that she's probably, possibly the wrestler, sort of the mid-card, upper mid-card wrestler with the most potential in this company. Um, I like Pom. Pom's sort of in the same position that I think Raku's sort of in, where there's a lot of character there. Um, And the question is, how much will that character continue? Does the character sort of keep her in the position she's in? Um, But overall, I thought that this was a a solid match. Yeah, I like this one. Uh, I thought Mayumi did a really good job of making Pom's offense look great. And that's kind of hard at times because Palm's offense is very much kicking you in the shins. <laughs> but I thought they <laughs> they had a really good dynamic. And I, I'm not going to lie, I wanted Palm to win because I will forever... She'll be one of my favorites because she protected me from Maki Ito. <laughs> like, once, yeah, like, we have forever bond. I'll always support her now. 
Yes. When you go, when you see shows live, things like that, um, you know, things like that happen and wrestlers that you may maybe have had no connection with, you really connect with. I had that. Uh, I went to a show. The, my first time I was in Japan and Psycho and Chango were on the show <laughs> and they like talked to me in Japanese in the middle of the show. And I was like, oh, this is funny. And so now whenever I see them, I think I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember they were uh, very fun in a way that I probably would not um you know, I probably would have never become a Psycho and Chongo super fan um, under any other circumstance. So, yes, I I definitely understand that. Although it, it's interesting your point about Palm winning because, and you know, there's sort of this could be said at any point. But I think that this the first and second round really not a lot of upsets. No, here in my mind, no. um, which I thought was interesting. I thought it held it back a little bit. Um, there were maybe one or two matches where I thought it could go the other way and it didn't, but sort of a chalk, um, first portion of this, uh, this tournament. Yeah. Like when I was putting in, like for my notes, I would just put in who I think was going to win the match. And like, I think I only had to change it once out of the whole thing. And I think that was the one where I was like, okay, this seems like this might be an upset here. <laughs> and then it's like, oh no, it wasn't. Okay. Yeah, so so that was interesting. I mean, and and then finally on the the end of the first night, uh, one that probably uh, would have been a huge upset: uh, Miyu Yamashita defeating Now Kakuda um, in the main event in eleven twenty seven. A match I thought you know Miyu is so good that when she wrestles, it's always going to be a good match. I think Now Kakuda is in an interesting position, sort of in the position that. Natsumi Maki was in when she came in and that I was very looking, very much looking forward to it. And it felt like to me, you know, obviously Maki's gone into stardom. So we can sort of look back on that whole period. It sort of never really developed into the sort of thing I thought it would be. She had that good series of matches with Yamashita, but she never really reached the peak. When she came in, I thought, oh, this could be a a regular title contender someone who could hold a title in the company. It never really happened. Uh, And a lot of that reminds me of uh, Kakuda in terms of I was very excited when she came in. She hasn't done a bad job, but it certainly hasn't. It hasn't sort of lit my world on fire. Yeah, she's solid. And like that, you, you need people like that on the roster who are just like, okay, cool. We can throw you in a match. You'll be good. You aren't going to stink off the place, but we you're not going to go higher than you are on the card. But like I my main takeaway on this from this match and from Miu's previous matches recently is she feels like she's on another level in terms of confidence and like presence now. Like I don't know if it's just me or if anyone else sees it, but like it feels like after the Cyberfight Festival, she's just like picked up this like okay, cool. I am the best in the world. This is my company i'm steering the ship and it really just came across in this match like i loved how it felt like miu never kicked it into that higher gear because she didn't need to to beat now like i thought that was really cool yeah and that's you know i can totally i can totally see that i mean miu is so great she had one kick in the match where she kicked uh, now in the face and I was like, Ooh, and I rewind, yep. <laughs> you know, and it feels like there's one of those in every match. There was one in the, um, 
the UWF uh, match oh God, with yeah. Mirai, where I was like, whoa. And now it seems like one every match where I'm like, whoa, that is a crazy um, kick. But I think that she's now in this great position of, I, I think previously she was in the position of sort of, she was the wrestler in the company where it was like, we need a great match. It's going to be Miu. Now there's a number of people who can go out and deliver matches. So I think that she's now, even though she's the you know champion, she's under less pressure to be the person who has to deliver. And so can just go out there and be like, I'm going to go out there and have a good match as opposed to being like, I have to go out there and I have to deliver or else, you know, who knows what happens. But I think that that probably has, you know, having that weight off your shoulder makes it, it makes it easier to go out and just deliver. And she's so talented that she can go out there and deliver every night. Yeah. Like there's almost kind of some parallels to Tanahashi just kind of in the pre golden age and going into that for modern new Japan. Yeah, that's that's uh, very true. Yeah, where it's just like, okay, cool. I have to. St- I am carrying this. This is all me. I'm the top guy. And suddenly, oh man, I have just a wealth of people to have cool matches with. Yes, which also helps. It also helps to have you know, when the talent is elevated, it's easier to have those good matches because you're facing people who are now, you know, more talented. So that's the sort of the other side of it as well. Yeah. So night two of the Tokyo Princess Cup back at Shinkiba first ring on July 23rd. The undercard matches were Hyper Masao, now Kakuda, and Shoko Nakajima defeating Mahiro Kiryu, Mirai Mayumi, and Moka Miyamoto. Haruna Neko defeating Mizuki and Palm Harinjuku in a three-way match. And Raku Suzume, Yuki Kamafuku, defeating Maki Ito, Miyu Yamashita, and Ariso Endo. The first uh, match of the Tokyo Princess Cup matches on the show was Miyu Watanabe defeating Kaya Toribami in 6-36. Kelly, what'd you think of this match? Toribami's so cool. Like, are we, are, we, are we sure she is a rookie and not, like, someone coming in under a mask? I think she is a. I think maybe the promotion said she is a rookie, but it certainly seems to me, and I and you're not the only person I've heard say that that she seems very experienced. Yeah, yeah, no, and like I I love the mask and just she's got just a swagger about her. It's awesome. And like, I I thought yeah, this I th- was a really fun match. Yeah, I did as well, and I think that it's. I'm so fascinated by sort of this development of sort of more athletic wrestlers. Now, of course, Kaya Toribami is still very young. She's still in her first year, in her first few months, in fact. But I love that there's all of these, you know, these different promotions that have these sort of more athletic, high-flying, you know, Asuka, Sayakamatani and Stardom, you know, Kaya Toribami, who knows what she becomes, but she's definitely shown a different uh, sort of aspect of wrestling than really anyone on the roster, which I think is is really cool. And I just really enjoy watching her matches because she is already so seemingly developed in ring that 
I, I don't go out and think, okay, this is going to be a rookie match where she gets, you know, beat down for X amount of time and then she loses. You go out and you think, oh, she's going to pull out this sort of springboard senton that she does off the ropes and things like that. So I agree. Uh, very good. And I really enjoyed the match as well. Yeah, and it definitely helps. Like you said, they don't do just, oh, this is the young wrestler match format. Like you don't really ever feel that. Where I mean, occasionally, like you've seen that with Yuki Arai facing off against like Maki Ito stuff. Like, yeah, this is the veteran versus the younger wrestler. But in most of the rookie matches, you don't really get that. So it just leads to different, interesting stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, it's definitely more interesting. I think sometimes you know it is interesting to see rookies develop, but. I think sometimes you're like, okay, here comes a rookie. It's going to be X, Y, Z type of match. It's going to last this long, and then they're going to lose. And I think it is a little more interesting not to do it all the time because then that becomes a format, but to sort of break out of that occasionally to give some variety. So the second match of this show for the Tokyo Princess Cup, Yuki Aino defeating Yuki Arai in 826 this is a match i didn't think yuki arai well i don't know if i didn't think she would win i thought okay it's a rookie against a more experienced person but this was still early on enough where i thought okay they're gonna go for maybe some upsets they've got some sort of push behind yuki arai as sort of this big uh, member of ske48 and things like that. So I'm like, maybe she could beat Aino. Didn't happen. Um, so so another sort of chalk um, decision here. But another strong match. And Yuki Arai, just like Toribami, is someone I enjoy watching. You know, that first match she had, I was sort of like, oh, this could be, this could be okay. And she's really taken um, a lot of strides, especially considering. You know, I still think she does have obligations to SKE 48. So she probably has less time to train and improve than maybe some other rookies might have. Yeah, it's kind of nuts because you don't watch her as a wrestler and you think like, oh, she's good for an idol or whatever. It's just like, oh, you're, you're pretty you're pretty good for a rookie wrestler, if anything. And so, yeah, I I kind of thought she might have a shot at winning this, but when she lost, I wasn't super surprised. So it was kind of, it was one of those things where it's like, come on, go with the rookie. Let's get the upset. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, okay, she could probably go, you know, one or two more rounds and then lose, but you know, it could also be a scheduling thing where she's not available. I know they have to work around some of her schedule. So, you know, maybe just, just not a possibility, but I mean, pretty good considering we're both sitting here going, oh, she could win and move on for someone who's only had a handful of matches under her belt. So, you know, a pretty good sort of recommendation of how good she's become so quickly. Yeah. In the third match, Marika Kobashi defeated Nadoka Tenma. This, I guess, uh, Kelly, do you see this as an upset? I don't know. I sort yes. of saw this as sort of maybe the biggest upset, even though Kobashi had the title shot recently, but I saw it as an upset. This is the one where I had I had to scratch out, where it's like, okay, I thought uh, Tenmo was going to win, and then nope. Yeah, so I was pretty yeah. ex- I was pretty happy that we got the upset here, because I, I like Kobashi. 
Yeah, I like her too. Like I said last time, and I think it applies to this match as well. You know, Kobashi is not, she's not going to come out and you're going to be like, whoa, like someone like Toribami might with the sort of offense that she does. But I think that she, like I said before, works very solidly, knows her strengths and weaknesses and sort of works towards her strengths and away from her weaknesses to sort of have these solid matches. They're not going to blow you away. They're not going to be hugely, you know, match of the year contender. Yeah. And that's, but I think that a, they're very solid. Yeah. And that's a lot of what makes like Tokyo Joshi shows great. Everything for the most part is good at minimum and you need wrestlers like her around for that. Totally. Um, and then the last match, the, the biggest match probably up to this point, uh, the main event, uh, Rika Tatsumi defeated Hikari Noah in 14 minutes and 14 seconds. So, a a pretty lengthy match compared to some of these other uh, Tokyo Joshi matches. Kelly, what'd you think? I thought this match was weird. Like, I, it felt like everything was half a step off. Like, there was a ton of stuff where it just, it felt awkward and, like, moves didn't connect and stuff like that. And I, I don't know. I just thought both of them had an off night or they didn't have great chemistry or something. Like, I thought it was fine. I went three stars, but I expected a lot more out of it. Yeah, I think that the tournament is interesting because we sort of see some of these matchups and we think, oh, it could be very good. But at the end of the day, it's still, you know, the first round of this tournament, which has a number, you know, the second round, some people wrestling in the second round, and then it's going to have the quarters and the semifinals and the finals. So still lots to go. It didn't um, blow me away. And maybe a little bit of, you know, Hikari Noah has been very good over the last number of months winning the title and things like that. But these are still, you know, especially Hikari Noto, less Rika Tatsumi, who's very, very good. These are still wrestlers who are developing. And just because they've, you know, been better doesn't mean they're going to come out every night and, you know, blow your socks off like they sometimes do. So I think that this is sort of part of the development process of getting, you know, making these wrestlers better. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got to talk about Hikari Noah for a sec. She has to stop going on about death matches and how much she loves doing them. Because you can't, like, the entire time she talks about that, I just think of Suzu Suzuki, who's out here bleeding buckets on a regular basis. Wow, a controversial... Uh, Kelly's first controversial opinion on the show <laughs> is here. Um... It's like, if you're going to talk about doing death matches, do some more death matches. Come on. <laughs> well, and I think it might be interesting to do like what they've did, what the, what they've did, what they've done with the Fantastic Ice title and maybe with this International Princess title. Yeah. Maybe do some more, you know, stipulation, you know, tight matches, which now that Hikari Noah is the title holder, they could they could do. Yeah, no, that would be awesome. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll stick up for Akari. No, I think Akari no is doing great. Um, I think she, you know, she likes what she like. And I think there's a lot of wrestlers in the world of Joshi who have gotten into it through deathmatch wrestling. Um, so I think if anything, we're only going to see more of this, uh, as the years goes on, go on and not less. And I often think about, 
you know, 10 years or, you know, 12 years or, or so ago, 15 years, you know, Joshi was sort of at the sort of bottom, they sort of bottomed out in terms of companies were closing and, and companies that were open were not doing great and new companies were starting. And I think that we, you know, I sometimes have to remind myself that we're sort of still at the, to me, at the sort of growing point where we talk about there's more athletic wrestlers coming in, there's more people doing death matches. And I think that Joshi wrestling is going to continue to change, you know, as the years go on and some of these companies continue to grow and get wrestlers uh, who have now watched Joshi and are excited to come in and do it. Yeah. And I also, there's probably a good chunk of the Tokyo Joshi roster. That's like, Oh, you want to have a death match? No, thanks. <laughs> no, none for me. <laughs> or just Tokyo, yeah. like cyber agents, just like, wait, you want to do what? No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine on many rosters uh, throughout all of wrestling, there would probably be a number of wrestlers who would say, oh, you want to do a death match? Um, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm good. Um, so, but, so, but so we'll if, see. If who you're knows? Gonna clip out any hot take on this show here it is get ready joshi needs more matt cardona's <laughs> yes that is a that will be clipped i let i gave you the time so it could be clipped <laughs> out without without any words from me <laughs> uh the the third night of the princess cup back at shinkiba again on july 24th the undercard matches the up up girls hikari noah and raku Tom Harajuku and Suzume defeated Kaya Toribami, Mahiro Kiryu, Maki Ito, and Marika Kobashi. Hyper Masao defeated Ariso Endo and Naokakuda in a three-way match. And Moka Miyamoto, Nadoka Tenma, and Shoko Nakajima defeated Miyu Watanabe, Rika Tatsumi, and Yuki Arai. Those were your undercard matches with that third match going uh, 15 minutes. So, uh... I believe the 15 minutes and 12 seconds, which I believe uh, was the longest match of the entire set of shows. But the first show or the first match for the Tokyo Princess Cup matches, Yuki Aeno defeated Haruna Neko uh, in 7-22. Kelly, your thoughts? Uh, I liked this. I don't know why. Like, I was just... I got invested in this match in a super weird way. Like I bought in on some of the Haruna Neko, Neko near falls. And it's like, looking back, I'm like, why, why did I ever think she had a chance at some point? But again, there's that part of you where it's like, there's going to be an upset. There hasn't been one yet. Maybe it's this one. And so I think that was just talking to me in the back of my mind. But yeah, like I, again, I only went like two and a half on this match, but like, I don't know. I probably enjoyed it more than that. Looking back on it now. <laughs> I have to say that Haruna Neko, as this, you know, as so many people in Tokyo Joshi have improved and gotten better, it has gotten very difficult for me to sort of invest in Haruna Neko, who I think is still sort of... In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates... It's all just a shot in the dark until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each 
one. Now, when I buy slap packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards... It sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network a wrestler that feels like a throwback to the previous way of tokyo joshi and oh, yeah. you know oh, for sure. going in this match i thought okay she's not gonna win um, and so it felt, and this was a match where I was like, oh, if this was Yuki Arai, she could have defeated Haruna Neko. That would have been no problem. And she could have gone on another round. <laughs> um, but just sort of a match. I find it very hard to sort of invest in these matches where I'm like, oh, okay. You're sort of in the pecking order. I would say even maybe behind at least some of the rookies in the pecking order. So sort of hard for me to invest um, in this, in this match, even though, and I, for reasons I'll talk about in a second, I thought that of all four nights, I thought this was the strongest uh, night for me because of the next two matches, which I thought were two of the best um, of all four nights. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, and speaking of that, the second Tokyo Princess Cup match of the night, Mizuki defeating Mirai Mayumi in 12:45, a match that I thought was really good. Like I said, I thought it was one of the best um, matches of all four nights. As you would think, you know, seeing Mizuki uh, and Mirai Mayumi facing off, you would expect a good match. And I thought it was a very strong match. Yeah, this rocked. Uh, Mayumi looked like a powerhouse here. It was awesome. Like I, there is a spot where I think Mizuki did a springboard and Mayumi lariated her in the back out of midair. It was so cool. 
Yeah, I do remember that. And that was another spot that I rewound because it was very cool looking. And I've said before, I think Mayumi really improves almost every time she's in the ring. You know, maybe not in major ways, but in minor ways that I really think, oh, she's really learning a lot from every match, taking something out of every match and getting better. Yeah. Which I think is really exciting to watch because that's not something that happens with everyone. Sometimes you think, okay, this person has been the same for six months, which is not what Mayumi is doing and is really showing that she could, you know, move up the card pretty fast here. Mm -hmm. And she works uh different style than almost anyone else on the roster because like like i said she was a powerhouse here and you really don't have a ton of that on this roster yeah they've they now have a great roster we talked about with Torabami, very unique and mayumi uh very unique as well so you really are developing even though it, i would still consider it sort of a quote-unquote sort of idol type promotion they really are developing a really strong roster of variety in terms of, of the wrestlers. Yeah. And then the main event of the show, Miyu Yamashita defeating Yuki Kamafuku in 1135 in another match I thought was very strong. As I said, not surprising to see Yamashita have a great match, but I think Yuki Kamafuku, I think that the, the run with the international princess title really helped her. And I think she's a very confident wrestler now, and she's doing very well and really rose to meet the challenge of facing Miyu in this match. And I thought that they had a, an excellent match. Yeah. They both looked great here. Uh, some real stiff looking offense. I mean, you expect that from you, uh, from Miyu, but Yuki really brought it out too, with some hard looking big boots. Like uh, for this match and the previous match, I went three and three quarters. I really enjoyed both of them a lot. And I, Miu is such a great main eventer right now. Just killing it. Yeah. And I think Yuki Kamafuku is a, is a, a bit like there's a reminder to me of sort of like a Saki Arai type deal where, you know, you sort of start there a little bit taller than, a lot of the roster and, you know, some of their growth is learning how to sort of control their body in terms of, you know, kicks. I also agree. I thought a lot of the kicks uh, in this match from Yuki looked really great. And I think part of it is just learning about the control and what you can do and what looks good. And I think Yuki has learned a ton by being given the chance to, you know, have these big singles matches and things like that. She's really rewarded the company with her improvement. Yeah. Still miss uh, old McDonald though. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think you're alone in that. That was one of my yeah. favorite things going to that Tokyo Joshi show. Cause I wasn't a huge follower of the company and that music started playing and I lost my shit. <laughs> Cause it's the best entrance music of all time. <laughs> well, maybe we'll come back for uh I would say maybe we'd come back for big matches, but you think that they <laughs> wouldn't play that for big matches because the whole thing was we have to, you know, I don't know, maybe they do a throwback night or something and, yeah. and the music comes back because I know that there were a lot of people who were very sad uh, to, to see it go because it was a fan favorite. Old McDonald plays when she's had got the big like blood feud. That's like her uh, her Keishan Liger. <laughs> She agrees to the to the uh, death match uh -huh. with Akari Noah. 
and they do a big video promo and then they're like the match is beginning and old mcdonald <laughs> barbed wire farm death match <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but anyway the last night of the tokyo princess cup night four action kiba july 25th the undercard saw haruna neko hikari noah and kaya toribami defeat haruna neko mirai mayumi and yuki kamafuku uh, and Ariso Endo, Mizuki, Naokakuda, and Yuki Aino defeat Miyu Watanabe, Miyu Yamashita, Pam Harajuku, and Yuki Arai. And there were four Princess Cup second round matches. The first one, Suzume defeating Mahiro Kiryu in 7.53. A match that I thought was fine. Um, probably went in with slightly too high expectations. I really like Suzume. I think she's done a really great job. And I thought that this match was mainly, uh, you know, just fine. Yeah, I'd agree. It was definitely Suzume came out of this looking like the better wrestler for sure. Like, I I don't know. Kiryu is just disappointing, this these shows. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it well enough. Nothing I'll probably ever think about again, but I liked it well enough. And in the second match, Maki Ito defeated Raku in 9-0-3. You know, I talked about this idea of Raku with the character versus the in-ring work. And I think that if there's someone to sort of look up to, it would be Maki Ito, who I think has improved in the ring while keeping all or most of the character that really got her moving up the card. So I think that that is a case of you know, look to Maki Ito as someone who can keep the character, but also improve the in-ring work. I mean, two workers who have gotten a lot better in-ring in the last months and years. And I thought it was a, a solid match. No surprise, though, to see Maki Ito, uh, who's probably one of the top contenders to win the whole thing, move on. Yeah, I thought this was great. Uh, the dy- dynamic between these two is really cool. And I liked how the match evolved where it kind of started off as you know like comedy-ish like Makito did the spot with the earplugs and then it kind of turned into a brawl where they were just throwing forearms at each other and then kind of went back into just like a traditional wrestling match by the end and you had Maki winning by turning the crab into like a lion tamer I thought it was a really cool match just really structured well I think I, I went three and a half on it I enjoyed this quite a bit yeah, another solid uh, Maki Ito match. The third match of the night, of a very short match, considering it was second from the top, a little bit, to me, felt sort of like an extended squash. But Shoko Nakajima defeating Marika Kobashi. So the one sort of upset of the first round falls very quickly in the second round. Uh, in a match, you know, under six minutes, hard to say much about the match. Shoko's, of course, always good, but don't really have much to say about this one. No, I it was fast-paced. I thought the ending kind of came out of nowhere, but, you know, it was a quick match, so it was that's how it was supposed to be. I It really feels like they should have flip-flopped this with the previous match on the card. Yeah, you with the Ito-Raku match. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would have I think that would have made sense although I wonder if part of it was you know sort of the selling of oh Marika Kobashi got this upset in the first round and you know maybe she beats Shoko and gets through again 
which I guess if you put it farther down might give away that, oh, you know, this is going to be a minor match that Shoko is going to, you know, win because you're assuming that Mariko Kobashi is probably not going to beat Shoko in, you know, six minutes or something. Yeah, no, that is true. So, and then the final Tokyo Princess Cup match of this group of shows in 1503, Rika Tatsumi defeating Hyper Masao, uh, a match that I thought was fun. There was some <laughs> stuff near the end with Hyper uh, Hyper's mask falling off, having to replace the mask. And, you know, I thought a solid match, a good way to sort of uh, cap off this weekend, weekend plus of wrestling. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was just a horrible miscarriage of justice that Rico wasn't immediately disqualified for removing Hyper Masao's mask. It's just just disgusting. But I thought the match was great. Like, I went four stars on it. I really, really enjoyed this. It was a fun back-and-forth match. And one thing, I don't know if I've just never noticed this before or if this is slightly new gear for Masao, but there's a bunch of little touches on her gear that's reminiscent of the original Common Rider suit design, and it's super cool. Oh, interesting! You are the you are the expert in that area, so I unfortunately cannot assist there. Yeah, um, like I maybe... just I noticed like the kind of chest pattern looks a lot like the kind of jacket he wore, and there's two like red stripes going down part of her tights that kind of look like the stripes he had on the back of his jacket too. So it's like, oh, that's really cool. And it makes sense for Hyper Masao being the superhero character. Yes, it totally, totally makes sense. I know that there's a lot of sort of that sort of influence in her character. And I think, as you mentioned, in the gear. Yeah. But yeah, I really, really like this match. And like I said, I went four stars. It was my favorite match of all four shows. Great. And that is the, so that wraps up those four shows. The next princess cup show is on July 31st and the matches there will be, there will be four matches on one side of the bracket. Miyu Yamashita will take on Mizuki and Maki Ito will take on Suzume. And on the other side of the bracket, Miyu Watanabe will take on Yuki Aino and Rika Tatsumi will take on Shoko Nakajima. So four very strong matches Kelly, what are your thoughts? Who do you think uh, moves on to the final four? I mean, Yamashita versus Mizuki feels like a finals. So I have to assume Mizuki is going to win and then probably go to the finals and maybe even win. But so that's my guess there. And of course, that match is going to rule. Um, So yeah, right now, Mizuki, my pick to win. Interesting. You know, I thought going in that Mizuki, that probably would have been my pick, but I don't know if maybe there's an upset. I know that she's won, you know, the Princess Cup in the past few years. And so I'm thinking I'm going to go, I'm going to go sort of out. And I always say this, you know, Maki Ito, I'm like, okay, the Maki Ito push is going to come and she's going to win the title, and then it doesn't happen. And then I go, okay, she's not happening, and then she sort of moves up the card. I think Maki Ito could, you know, pull it all out. I I do think Mizuki probably beats Yamashita in that match, but I think Ito could beat Mizuki and move on and win the whole thing. 
Yeah. Um, which I, which I think would be very interesting. So that, that would be my pick. Um, we'll know more as the second match of the, the, uh, semifinals and finals will be on the August 14th and 15th. So we will have a show in between the 31st and the 14th. So we will know the final four at the next show. And then, you know, who knows, maybe we're both wrong and the, you know, the final two on that side is Miyu and Suzume, and then we'll really have a uh, have egg on our face, as they say. I kind of wonder if maybe they just have uh, Miyu win, like just keep going do- the dominant ace, like she just wins the whole tournament too. Yeah, what do you think? Like, let's say she wins, where do you think that they would go from there? Like, she wins, and what happens? Either I would say she challenge she challenges someone that was on the other side of the bracket that she didn't have a shot at, or hell, maybe someone comes back to Japan with Yuka from AEW and they kind of make a challenge or something. Hmm. All right, that could be that could be an interesting thing. It's so rare. I'm trying to think of when the last, if I can ever think of you know, a title holder winning a sort of tournament like this. Yeah. Um, well, I don't have any, if any listeners know of any that have happened recently, you know, obviously I think some have happened, you know, in years ago, but not recently I can't think of, but maybe they do that. That would certainly be, you know, out of left field would be a surprising result in a tournament, as we've mentioned, that really hasn't had too many surprising results and maybe they're saving it for these, you know, final few matches. Yeah, I think I think there's a real shot at that. The, I'm I'm talking to my, myself into it now. <laughs> but we will see. As I mentioned, we will know the final four on our next show. Uh, but that covers it for the first four nights of the Tokyo Princess Cup. Uh, and now we're going to move into talking about some of the other things that have happened over the last two weeks in uh, Joshi Wrestling in stardom. Uh, they've had a few shows. Uh, Unagi Sayaka defeated Mina Shirakawa to win the Future of Stardom title on the 17th. Also on that show, Mayu Iwatani defeated Oedo Tai in a one versus five match to win back Starlight Kid uh, for stars. Mayu did win, and Starlight Kid refused to return. She will be remaining in Oedo Tai. Overall, more of sort of just strange booking for me. I do like the decision to keep Starlight Kid in Oedo Tai, but Oedo Tai continues to um, look like geeks to me, losing a one versus five match. Mayu uh, doing her one of the best sp- uh, John Cena in 2008. <laughs> <Impression>. <laughs> So, um, yeah, interesting to see where things go from there. Uh, Seedling had a show on the 11th, which is sort of on the border, but this was a show I really enjoyed. Um, featured uh, top three, Momoi Nakanishi and Nanae Takahashi, tagging together against Emi Sakura and Natsuki Tayo. A really strong match, especially considering two of the wrestlers in it are retired largely um, just a really strong match that I thought was very good. There was a, a beyond the sea title change, Ryo Mizunami defeating Asuka 
in the semi-main event in a match that I thought was very good, sort of a match that you would expect from the wrestlers, the caliber of those two. And in the main event, Arisa Nakajima defeated Nanae Takahashi. She will be challenging Ryu Mizunami for the Beyond the Sea title. But really, the top three of this show, all very strong. If you haven't seen the show, uh, I recommend uh, searching it out and watching it because really, I've talked up Seedling on this show for many, many weeks. But another example of just uh, more great wrestling from them. They also had a show on July 22nd. It is a rare show that did not air on Seedling Live. Uh, so I have not watched it. It was sort of a more of a house show style show for them. Uh, big news in Oz Academy. Maya Yukihi defeating Kaori Yoniyama for the Oz title. So the um, Oz title is back in Ozaki-gun on Maya Yukihi, who I really love, and I'm excited to see some of her matches, big title matches there. Sendai yeah. Girls. Oh, go ahead, Kelly. I was going to say, that should be really fun for a title run from her. And I really need to catch up on Oz, because I love their big goofy main events (laughs) yeah oz is definitely um you know if you like the style then you enjoy the shows and if you don't like the style they're not gonna ever change their style so you may not like the shows yeah it's it's you know it you know if you're gonna like it going in pretty much (laughs) Uh, Sendai Girls had a show on the 11th as well with Chihiro Hashimoto versus Mio Momono for the Sendai title, which was well received. Uh, Ice Ribbon had a show on the 24th. Uh, the big news out of that one, Hiroyo Matsumoto and Tsukasa Fujimoto won the vacant tag titles, which were vacated due to injury, and they will defend them at the August 9th, 15th anniversary Ice Ribbon Yokohama show. They will actually defend those titles in the semi-main and then we'll turn right around and face each other in the main event for the Ice Infinity title. So back-to-back matches for them. One as a team defending the tag titles and one in a one-on-one match for the big title. That Ice Ribbon Uh, show which we will preview next time is really shaping up to be a really fun strong show another very strong showing in a good year for ice ribbon that's a really cool gimmick for your top two matches of your big show yeah and it makes sense because it puts them you know sometimes people do wrestle multiple times you know it's happened in seedling i think a couple times this year but to me, I like it because it puts them on equal footing yeah. for the main event. It's not like one of them has wrestled one more match and the other has not. They both wrestle together, and maybe there's some strategy that comes into play in the tag match to try and gain an advantage for the main event. Somewhere, Paul Heyman is kicking himself for never booking that. <laughs> uh, Diana had a dojo show on July 18th. Uh, the Marvelous had their fifth anniversary show featuring a lot of stardom talent, the return of Takumi Aroha. That is a show I have not watched quite yet, uh, but I have it queued up uh, waiting to watch. I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, Kelly, you want to tell us about what's been going on in Choco Pro? 
Uh, so Chaco Pro wrapped up their tag league. Uh, I'm not gonna be honest. There's a bunch of that I did not watch, but like I I picked and chose what matches I wanted to see. The finals were really good. I love Psycho and Chango hanging out in Chaco Pro. They're a lot of fun. Uh, the winners were eventually uh, Saki and Yuna Mizumori, who went on to challenge for the Asia Dream Tag Titles against Best Bros in a fantastic match. That I I loved that match. I went four and three quarters on it. It was awesome. It was about forty minutes. Like it was an it was an epic. It was a really great match. And then more recently on, and that was, uh, sorry, the ta- the tag title match was on uh, Chaco Pro 136. And then the next show, uh, 137, was a one-match show featuring Chris Brooks versus Lulu Pencil in an Iron Man match. And I loved that match. It gave me a crisis of what the hell are star ratings? Because from a story perspective, it's five stars. Like, I can't say anything bad about the story the in ring or the in on mat work there we go uh work was as good as it could be i mean we all know lulu is not the best wrestler in the world she's solid enough but like it was awesome i ended up going four and three quarters on that match as well because the story was just so perfect with chris brooks essentially just trying to get lulu pencil to quit he doesn't he thinks she sucks and he doesn't want her in wrestling anymore. And Lulu just was fighting against that and fighting to finally get her first win. And it was just a really great show of perseverance and I can't say enough great things about that match. It's probably going to end up in my top 10 of the year overall, I would say. And, of course, big news coming out uh, just recently about, well, concerning Chuckle Pro, Emi Sakura uh, said that she has a one-way ticket to the U.S. to go back to AEW. So interesting to see what will happen uh, with Chuckle Pro moving forward. Yeah, that's it's really interesting because now that I've been thinking about it, she really has been cycling herself out of the booking of Chaco Pro and has been more of a referee more than anything as of late. And like I wonder will the how will the training go for Gato Move and Chaco Pro now? Is she confident enough in like I would assume Aki and May to kind of lead things? I mean she must be if she's leaving, but who knows? From what we under, from what I've heard, she's pretty integral into the booking of the women's division in uh, AEW and kind of helping to develop the talent. So if she can essentially just train over train wrestlers over zoom and that's been working for AEW, she can probably make that work for Chaco pro slash Gato move. Yeah. I'm interested also to see in terms of the booking of, you know, I think last year in, Chaco Pro, there was a lot of these sort of big storylines. One was just sort of wrapped up with this Iron Man, Iron Woman match. Uh, and interested, interested to see, you know, was that all, I don't know, was that all Emi Sakura doing all of that, setting all of that up? Was that a group effort? Is it going to be a thing where Emi leaves and there's maybe less stories and the, the Chaco Pro shows are just sort of fun matches? Um, so a lot that's sort of up in the air. I think Chuckle Pro has 
in my opinion, sort of earned the trust of their fans by really presenting for a year and a half, these very strong shows. Uh, but something, you know, a little change to Choco Pro, and it will be very interesting to see sort of what comes of it. Yeah. I wonder also, maybe uh, Takanashi coming back is a part of why she feels confident in leaving too, because it seems like he does a lot with Choco Pro and kind of, He's been working the camera for most of the shows lately, and now that he's ready to go, maybe he's going to take over training. Who knows? Yeah, we will. Uh, we will have to see what the what the future holds. Um, and then finally, in our wrap up of the last two weeks, in Pure J, Leon defeated Raiden Hagane to win the Pure J title, and Hanako Nakamori and Rina Yamashita defeated Kazuki and Radin Hagane to retain the tag titles. So a, a bad series of shows for Radin, who lost <laughs> the big title and then didn't gain the tag titles. But that is what has been happening in the world of Joshi the last two weeks. And now upcoming, uh, I'm sure a lot of people know what is upcoming. The biggest thing coming up, the five-star Grand Prix in stardom. They announced the blocks and they have announced the shows. So the two blocks, uh, the red block and the blue block. In the red block, Julia, Mayu Iwatani, Momo Watanabe, Fukigen Death, Saki Kashima, Starlight Kid, Himika, Natsupoi, Kaguma, and Mina Shirakawa. And in the blue block, Utami, Shuri, Tom Nakano, Sayakamatani, Micah, Azumi, Konami, Ruaka, Unagi Sayaka, and from Marvelous, Takumi Aroha. So in the next two weeks, there will be for the opening four shows of the five-star Grand Prix, the big kickoff show on July 31st, the same day as the next day of the Tokyo Princess Cup. So a lot of tournament action going on on that date. Julia versus Starlight Kid, Mayu Iwatani versus Momo Watanabe, Fukigen Death versus Mina Shirakawa, Natsupoi versus Koguma, Utami versus Mika. Suri versus Sayakamatani and Tom Nakano versus Ruaka. On the 1st of August, Mayu Iwatani versus Julia, Momo Watanabe versus Natsupoi, Utami versus Sayakamatani, Suri versus Mika, Tom Nakano versus Konami, and Azumi versus Ruaka. And then we sort of dial it back a bit on the 7th and 8th. The August 7th only has four matches. Julia versus Saki Kashima, Utami versus Ruaka, Suri versus Azumi, and Tom Nakano versus Unagi Sayaka. And the eighth only has two matches Tom Nakano against Sayaka Matani, and Micah versus Unagi Sayaka. A very interesting uh, tournament coming up. Kelly, what are your thoughts on this big, probably the biggest uh, tournament of the Joshi calendar? Yeah, and there's a lot of people in this tournament. Uh, I'm struck immediately by how good the card is for the eight one for the August first show. Like that looks awesome, with Mayu and Julia and Momo versus Natsupoi and Otami versus Saya. It's one of those where you keep going and you're like, oh wait, that match is going to be good. Oh wait, that match is going to be good. Hold on, this match is going to be good. Like that's a that's a standout card right there. 
Yeah, there is a lot of strength and, you know, we haven't even taken into account, you know, Takumi Aroha, I think her matches are mostly back, sort of backlogged in the later days of the tournament. So she doesn't even have any matches on these first four shows and they're all very strong. Now, of course, the eighth only has two matches, but it will be interesting to see what happens with this tournament. I think, in my opinion, uh, this is set up for Julia to win. I think that this is sort of the beginning of the aim towards Julia versus Utami, which is the big match that we've been talking about is sort of the big match in the pocket of stardom. Um, and we'll see if that's the case. Seems like it would be Julia, but you know, you never quite know with tournaments like this, what could happen. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're right with Julia. That's She seems like the person to come out of this. And I'm sure we'll get some indication after the first four shows. Uh, so we will be talking about this next time. We'll cover the four shows that have happened, and we'll talk about the um, more upcoming shows and number of shows in this tournament. So there will be plenty to talk about. Um, also upcoming, Seedling has a show on the 26th. Uh, May Saruga will be making an appearance in the opening match, taking on Riko Kaiju. So that should be a very fun match. Yuna Mizumori also uh, making an appearance. So it looks like Seedling has reopened working with uh, Gato Move Chaco Pro again, which is very exciting. Uh, I was a big fan when they worked together and I'm happy to see them doing it again after a little time away from each other. Uh, Kelly is a big uh, Chaco Pro fan. I'm sure that you are uh, excited as well. Hell yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I kind of like that now it seems like the Chaco Pro group is almost like a traveling troupe going to different companies. Like you had them doing a tour of Michinoku Pro and now they're doing stuff in Seedling. Like I'd like to see more of that. Yeah, I'm always happy to see companies, you know, mix it up. I'm happy to see Takumi Aroha in Stardom. Um, you know, gives you new matches and fun matchups. So I'm always pro. I'm always pro more uh, sort of intermingling as opposed to less. Um, in Oz, they have a big match on August 1st. Uh, Subasa Kurigaki and Itsuki Aoki are taking on Mayumi Ozaki and Yumi Oka for the Oz tag team titles. That will be interesting to see. Are all the titles going to end up back in Ozaki Goon uh, now that Yuki has the big title? Uh, we will see, as I mentioned, Tokyo Joshi, the Tokyo Princess Cup quarterfinals are happening on uh, July 31st. They also have a show on August 7th, which is not does not have any Tokyo Princess Cup action on it, uh, but that is a show that they will be having as well. Diana is going to have their next dojo show on august 1st and kelly do you know what what is happening coming up for chaco pro have they announced anything uh nothing i've seen of no i know there's um i want to say it might have actually happened last night i know there's a chris brooks versus chia match coming up um but yeah nothing super big that i've noticed as of late all right well i think that uh, about covers all of what is coming up on the next two weeks. I'm sure on the next episode, we will be talking all about 
those Tokyo Princess Cup quarterfinals, as well as all the Stardom Five Star Grand Prix action, which will be taking up the next month or so of time. So there will be a lot of fun stuff to talk about there. Kelly, anything more uh, you want to say before we wrap up this episode? Uh, I just want, I just actually checked the Gato Move Twitter account and breaking news because of Emmy leaving at the end of season eight. It looks like the season eight finale match on August 8th will be Mei and Aki versus Emi Sakura and Masahiro Takanashi. So that should be an awesome match. Oh, big announcement breaking, breaking on this podcast. Uh, although by the time that this gets posted, that may be uh, well-known news, but that is a very good match. That should be an excellent match. And I'm sure with Emmy leaving, uh, they will be going all out. Yeah. All out, not to make a pun. So sorry. <laughs> uh, I didn't even realize that till I said, it. uh, but that is all for this show. As always, you can follow us on Twitter uh, now that Kelly's around, who know? Maybe Kelly will do more tweeting than I do. Oh, maybe. Um, maybe uh, you can follow us, J Bomb Audio on Twitter. You can follow me at Tay Mambo, and you can follow Kelly at Comic Geek Kelly. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and if you get your podcasts on Apple Podcasts, give us a great five star rating and review. And if you would like. Uh, you can donate to the show at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping bomb audio. So that is all for us. And we will see you again in two weeks time. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.